welcome to the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts, which are now entering their fourth year of broadcast. Who would have thought that when Seth died in 2014, all these years later we would be making a podcast in his memory? It's a really exciting time for Charlotte and me. We've been recording 30 podcasts, one for each day in November, as part of Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. Charlotte has been talking to all kinds of people involved with pancreatic cancer and over the next 30 days we will hear lots of personal stories. Stories of love, stories of commitment, stories of hope and sadly, as always with pancreatic cancer, stories of loss. Each story will help you understand the challenges of pancreatic cancer as well as the signs and symptoms and will help you to have conversations with people and ensure that they are aware of what to look out for. Join us each day for our Purple Rainbow podcast. If you miss any of the episodes, you can catch up by visiting www.purplerainbow.co.uk where all of the podcasts will be stored for you to listen to at your leisure. Follow us on your podcast channel, like and share, And join us for an interesting month with lots of stories of love and hope. Welcome to today's episode of Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts. This is one of 30 episodes you'll be getting across November 2021, all for Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. I'm Charlotte and today I'm talking to Hemant Kocher. He is a professor of liver and pancreas surgery at Barts Cancer Institute and Queen Mary University of London and he's a consultant pancreatic and liver surgeon at Barts Health NHS Trust. Now I hear you, you might be a little concerned right now that this is just going to be a lot of medical talk with lots of words that you don't quite understand. Please don't worry. My medical knowledge stretches as far as my surname, which is Foster. That's it. That's my medicalness. I claim to be Dr. Foster. I absolutely adored this conversation with Hemant. We spoke about his research and what it's actually like to take part in a clinical trial. So my job could be broadly divided into two main categories. One is looking after patients and second is doing research. So in, in terms of looking after patients, uh, I work uh, at various hospitals. I do mainly surgery on the liver and pancreas, um, and I do surgery mainly for cancers in those organs. And I would be taking out bits of liver or bits of pancreas, hoping to cure patients in that way. That's the first part of my job. The second part of my job is working in the university as a professor and therefore doing conducting research. My main focus of research is pancreas cancer there. In the university, I have three broad categories of research. First is the laboratory research, which is my where my heart is, uh, where, where what we are trying to understand is how the cancer cells in pancreas cancer particularly talk to the surrounding cells which to normalize or to would appear 
very, very normal. But with advanced technologies, we understand that those cells have been co-opted by the cancer. So the cancer, the bad guy, has got henchmen now. And normally those henchmen would be policemen in the, in the body and they would be guarding you against bad things happening. But now the, the cancer has co-opted them as the, his or her henchmen and they promote the cancer's growth. So why is that important? I think it's important because if we can revert those henchmen back to being policemen, we can try and get a hold on the cancer and we can hopefully cure it. So that's, that's the reason why we are studying it. Uh, in order to support those studies, I do two, two other things in the university. One is tissue banking. And this is important because um, pancreas cancer is very rare and we don't get samples of these patients to understand how this interaction between the cancer cells and the other cells is taking place. Uh, so I am the director for the National Tissue Bank for Pancreas in the UK, the world's first and only national tissue bank. We collect not only tissue samples from uh, patients who are undergoing surgery, but also their blood and urine and spit. And we are hoping that these body fluid samples will give us some clue and then we can diagnose this cancer early. And the other part I do is to, um, whatever we learn from these two aspects, we try and convert that into clinical trials. Um, so then we do what was traditionally known as phase one, two, and three clinical trials. So progressive understanding of how safe and effective a new treatment might be. And we have a number of clinical trials underway. So this is broadly what I do. I said, do you have any spare time at all? Because it sounds like you're a very busy man. <laughs> <laughs> So it's all working together, working to kind of make those small steps forward when it comes to sorting out and curing and hopefully finding you know, ways of beating pancreatic cancer. It's notoriously a cancer that is difficult to, to beat or, you know, with a prognosis is rarely a, a good prognosis. Is that why you wanted to, to be part of this, part of the, the, the research for it? Yeah, sure. I, 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 as you might have understood, I like the challenge. The first, first bit is uh, a very straightforward challenge is to do pancreas surgery. And now if you've spoken to pancreas surgeons or any doctor, pancreas surgery is one of the toughest surgeries to do because of the complexity of taking the organ out and then joining bits and pieces together. But having got uh, a efficient in doing that and doing it well, I wanted another challenge and that is to try and understand pancreas cancer and get clues as to how we can first of all diagnose it early and that's very important. If you can diagnose the disease process early, you can beat it uh, more effectively. And the second bit is to try and understand how we can treat it more effectively because as you will know, uh, in pancreas cancer, we don't have very good treatment. Even the surgery which we do is very good for a few months, maybe for a few years, and then, of, of course, the cancer rears its head up again, and we are unable to beat it then. What's the biggest challenge at the moment for you? You like a challenge, you say? Yeah, so the biggest challenge is trying to convince uh, various authorities that the research which we are doing can then translate into clinical trials. Now that um, people might not understand, it's a very slow, laborious process. 
uh, for many right reasons to protect the patient's health and safety so that unethical treatments are not tried out on patients. But that does mean a lot of bureaucracy to, to get permissions from various organizations. And that sometimes can be frustrating when you're trying to set up um, a study which will prove what we have understood in the laboratory. Of course, it's very well to understand in the laboratory and as you might have heard from other researchers, we use small animals to understand the disease. We give the animal pancreas cancer and then we cure it. It's very easy to cure pancreas cancer in smaller animals, but we want to cure it in humans. That's the ultimate goal. What, what is it like being on a clinical trial? I've not been on clinical trial, but I've, I keep asking the patients who are on clinical trials. Um, and they say that the care they receive is much better on clinical trials because they are watched like a hawk. Um, they are called every week, if not every day, to make sure they are okay. They, if they have any problems, they are dealt with easily. So clinical trials, being on clinical trials actually gives you enhanced care when it's not possible. Secondly, the, the thing with clinical trials is you will get the standard of care treatment for sure. But in addition, you may get a treatment which may just be the breakthrough treatment ahead of anybody else. So uh, clinical trials have a lot of advantages in that care, enhanced patient care and ab ability to get cutting edge treatment. The disadvantage, of course, is we don't know whether it will work for sure or not. And there are some clinical trials out there, despite our best efforts to, to make sure that the patient is safe, uh, they can be harmful, in which case we stop the trial early so that other patients are not. So they are very intensely monitored. So my experience of clinical trial as a clinician was, wow, this is fantastic care. And, and the patients have given me similar feedback. So at the moment, you said that you're currently sort of doing research on how the cancer cells are talking to the henchmen and the henchmen that should be the policemen. Tell me a little bit more about this research then, please. So this research actually, um, uh, the story goes back about 120 years or so. It's called the seed and soil hypothesis. So the hypothesis is the cancer seed will not grow unless the soil is conducive to it. And that's that's the same principle which we are um, uh, the gardener's principle which we we take forward and uh, we say okay let the soil be such that it is hostile to the cancer and the soil for the cancer is all the surrounding cells which will supply its nourishment will protect it from chemotherapy or radiotherapy so we want that surrounding soil to become conducive for all these treatments to be effective and not supply the nourishment which the cancer requires the cancer requires nourishment in different forms some of them are protein some of them are lipids, some of them are vitamins, and we can cut off those nutrient supply that will be very, very helpful in getting effective chemotherapy or radiotherapy treatments. Wow, it sounds really, it, it makes total sense when you think about it. You know, you want to make the, you want to make the body as hostile to cancer as possible because you don't want the cancer to flourish. Is that, that's it, isn't it? That, that's it. And that explains also why as we get older and our body is getting weaker, we get cancers. So most cancers, as you would know, come in the older age group. The young people thankfully don't get cancers. Unfortunately, some do, but it's very rare. Um, and that, that's the whole principle. The body is getting weaker and it's not able to fight the disease process or eradicate it in a timely manner. 
I know we've touched on this a little bit, but the whole fact that, you know, pancreatic cancer itself is a tough, tough cancer to, 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 to A, diagnose and B, then fight away. How, how as a researcher, do you keep going? Because it must be, you know, you've said there's bureaucracy to deal with as well. You've got the challenges of, of doing the research. How do you keep going? How do you just go, right, we're going to, another day, here I am, I'm going to give it my best. What, what motivates you? I think the motivation is the patients which we treat in the hospital. We see how they've uh, asked for help for many months together, sometimes years together, and then they have been diagnosed with pancreas cancer. And you think, oh, this could have been diagnosed a couple of years ago or six months ago. It would have been so much better. We would have been able to cure it. That's a motivation to diagnose pancreas cancer early. And I work with a number of colleagues uh, within the UK, outside UK. And, and the main aim is to, de- to develop these consortiums because one person cannot make a difference is to develop those teams. The second thing is we do such heroic surgery. It really is big surgery. It's heroic and the hero is the patient, um, not, not the doctor treating because it is a very intrusive, invasive surgery. And they, you get them through it, and two, three, four years later, the cancer comes back, and you are crestfallen. Look, they have fought so well. So you need to do better. And we certainly see from our colleagues that they have managed to do things so much better for commoner cancers, such as breast cancer, um, bowel cancer. We should be able to do for pancreas cancer. It is deeper seated uh, compared to, say, breast cancer, so it's much difficult to diagnose. Over the next five years, what would you like to see happen, like to see change? I would like to see more investment for the researchers into really good designed clinical trials. Because well-designed clinical trials, and you've seen that with COVID vaccine, well-designed clinical trials and the investment, the COVID vaccine's got a lot of investment, you can get cure in what we would think is an incurable disease. And that investment and consortium building is required. COVID vaccine trials took place in multiple continents all together. And that cooperative effect, the willingness is there among patients and doctors and scientists, but the investment to commensurate with it is not there, hopefully we will see more of that coming along. In the next five years, if more of that comes along, more clinical trials take place, I am sure we'll make a headway. Thank you so much to Hemant for talking with me and sharing so much knowledge as well. Please, please, please share this podcast. You can leave us a review and a rating as well. It really, really, really helps us get to more people. And that's what we're about, remember, because we're here every day in November raising awareness of pancreatic cancer. And you can find out more at purplerainbow.co.uk. And of course, I'll be back tomorrow with another episode.